was beginning to believe I knew who you were behind that mask. But it's impossible. My master could never be as vile as you. Anakin Skywalker was weak. I destroyed him. Then I will avenge his death. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Long Time Ago Radio, a conversational podcast about Star Wars and the official podcast of CanonTimeline.com. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Mobley, and I'm joined by my two favorite fans in the galaxy, Alex Vargas and Rebecca June Lane. How's everyone doing? Doing good. Good. Sweet, 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 sweet. Um, what's everyone been up to in their Star Wars lives? I know we've been watching a lot of Rebels. Yes, lots of Rebels. Rebels yes. is so good this season. Yes. I, I have to... Uh, so, no spoilers, because... We usually do spoilers at the end, but it's it's kind of weird because we're a bi-weekly show, and I know we did first arc spoilers on that first episode, but we'd be here for, like, hours trying to talk about the last two arcs. There's been two other arcs, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're bi-weekly, and they're doing two a week, so... <laughs> yeah, so I think what we're going to end up doing is wait until the, the next... So there's another arc, right? And then there's one last episode... Correct, One right episode? Be- there's, Rebel so there's Assault? Three more episodes uh, total before the winter break. Right. And is the Rebel Assault episode in like a 45-minute I long? don't. I don't know. It hasn't been announced. I'm, I'm assuming it's just a... But You know what? It's probably going to be a cliffhanger, and then when they come back from break, it'll be the second half. I can see them oh, doing God, that. Don't tell me that. Well, in the second half, we don't know what's going to be it either. They've kept it top secret. So. Is, that, is, is it a two-parter? I, I don't know. Because I'm surprised it's not called Rebel Assault Part, Part 1. one. Yeah. yeah. It's just called Rebel Assault. I'm going to... Uh, so, I had a th- I was talking to a co-worker about this, and my theory is that the Rebel Assault episode will literally be the ba- the Rogue One battle. But, I mean, that could be Ooh. wrong. Um, it, se- that would s- it seems kind of, like, a little hasty if that's what it is. Because I, I would imagine the series finale would be that, but... Who knows? Um, and also, uh, Rebel Assault is the name of a an old Star Wars video game. Uh, so, that game was fun. Dude, I was just showing that game to a coworker today, <laughs> and I was like, dude, he was like, man, this game looks like crap. I was like, yeah, it does now, but at the time when I was playing it, I thought it was the greatest thing that ever existed. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, I loved Rebel Assault. I actually own... Over here in my collection, I own Rebel Assault 2 on the PlayStation. I don't own the... uh, Rebel Assault 1 was only on the PC, and so I don't own it. I need to get a new... I need to get a copy of it at some point soon, but... um, And you can download it also. They've updated it and 2 for the PC. It's like 10 bucks to get both in a pack. And... uh, But Rebel Assault 2 is on the on the PS1 and I have that and I played actually a lot of Rebel Assault 2 also and what's funny about those games is that they have these horrible full motion videos because it was the <laughs> 90s and everybody was using full motion video yes. in their video games and so it's just like all these actors with like really bad not 501st uh, <laughs> you know the good enough look, costumes yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> like, you can totally tell where the green screen ended and where the animation started yeah and the, it, was just, it was bad acting and stuff. The but. hardest part, though, about that game was trying to maneuver the Millennium Falcon 
outside of wherever hangar it is and you couldn't use a little analog controller mm-hmm. like you had to go up down up down up down and it was in- inverted so it took me almost a week as a kid to beat just that <laughs> level yeah well. I, I i played it on pc and i used joysticks and stuff so it wasn't too bad but <laughs> wow that, that got off uh sorry <laughs> i remember that game Wait. just brought back memories yeah but quickly just circling back to rebels uh it's been a really good season so far kind of vaguely and i uh I was on a plane a couple days ago, and they had Rogue One available, so I was watching that again, and then I came home to watch the second arc of Rebels, and then just coming off of the two episodes we just had of our podcast, it was all very connected, and uh, it's fun. It seems like all the threads are coming together. For Uh, sure. Yeah. There's only... Oh, actually, wait. I'll save it for the the later episode. There's one one thread, or one thing that that hasn't been explained yet, um, that I'm really hoping someone says something. I might have to tweet at Pablo Hidalgo for an answer. <laughs> Start harassing yeah. him. Yeah. His job now is literally just to like calm people down on Twitter. Seems he just like drinks coffee and, and does yeah. that. That's all he does. He's just like, you know, I don't like to think of canon that way. And everyone's like, please think of it that way. <laughs> but yeah, I, I've been really enjoying this season. I was, I, uh, I was just going to say, it's so weird how heavy um, the focus is on not only Ezra, but like Sabine, like every episode that so far has like, they're like the main characters of the entire time, pretty much. You know, I haven't really thought much. I, I've been concentrating mostly on Kanan and Ezra, obviously, because they're the Jedis and they have kind of bigger skin in the game, but I haven't really thought about Sabine being in the future of our franchise. Do you think she might be able to pop out in a live action movie? I, I can see her returning to Mandalore or something like that. Um, Cause she's young. She's young and we never really see Mandalore or, or refer to it at any point in anything, you know, before, after a new hope. Right. So Watch I think you them. can make her, right. Yeah. I mean, they can make her character just kind of disappear into that realm without actually killing the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, you have, whatever the next follow-up series is, you go to Mandalore and you've got older Bo-Katan still leading Mandalore and who's her, who's her, her right-hand woman? Oh man, Sabine coming out of the shadows. <laughs> <laughs> older Sabine. It could happen. That'd be okay. cool. That'd be yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, I actually haven't done much Star Wars stuff lately. I, I've been, I'm, I'm, slowly but surely getting through all of the lord of the rings books for the first time and i'm just now halfway through two towers and so that's kind of what i've been doing boo the last week what do you mean boo <laughs> traitor not a trait i can like multiple <laughs> things <laughs> i also really like tolkien it's fine um i'd say the so- only other star wars thing i've i've been up to is i went to new orleans over the weekend went to voodoo fest and uh, it's a music festival down there and uh, ran into a lot of cool kids who are showing off because everyone dresses up for halloween that's super fun um talked to some kids who were uh dressed up as star wars characters and i gave a good tip on twitter lightsabers make excellent excellent totems for if you're walking around with your group at night so (laughs) oh that's it's a beacon huh it is keep your friends together at find the guy with the lightsaber (laughs) exactly so you know cool cool um yeah i think that's honestly 
it. How, what have you built anything new this week, Alex? Or uh, not really. I mean, I've kind of cleaned up my kit a few times. Worked on my wife's costume. Uh, we went to LA Stanley's LA Comic Con, um, and I helped work the Five Hundred First booth for a few hours and just kind of walked around our costumes. But uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later in this episode. Yeah. For sure, yeah, because our whole our whole episode is about cosplaying, and we'll get to that, I guess, right now. <laughs> this is only guys can be heroes. Get me that shit! My goofy older brother, that too. I say, what about Florence Nightingale? Or that Queen Elizabeth person we read about in class? They were heroes, just like Queen Amidala. Here she comes. She's going to get a lot of candy this year. Let's follow her. Now at Big Kmart, all Star Wars kids' costumes are on sale. All right. So this is a, this is a cool episode we've been brewing for a while. And there's no real reason. We Originally, we were going to try and do this as a special to release on Halloween. But that was a little too ambitious considering all of the stuff we had going on and all of the stuff we had to do for it. So we were like, you know what? We'll just make it its own full episode with with everything else, and we'll get interviews and stuff. So this is going to be a pretty jam-packed episode. Um, so, And we're going to talk all about not only kind of the fan groups that do cosplay, but just normal cosplay in general, cosplaying Star Wars. Um, Alex, you are probably the most... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? <laughs> I'm the I one feel that like cosplays the most. Yes, you you <laughs> cosplay the most, and it and mostly Star Wars. Um, what what is what is your perspective? Like, how did you get into it? Why did you join the five hundred first stuff like that? Uh, well, I guess first, uh, I think it'd be really good to define what cosplay is because I know a lot of people have heard what it is, but they don't really know the difference between what a cosplayer is and what a costumer might be. Um, the straight definition of a cosplayer is, or to cosplay is, uh, to practice uh, dressing up as a character from a movie, book, or video game, and you also pretend to be that character. So you're playing the character in costume. Really, that's that's where the the word comes from. So so there's a that's cosplay, and then costumer is just you know someone that creates or supplies costumes. But you can also go in costume without really being in character like say you're going to do some sort of exhibit and you're just kind of standing there to display your artwork so there's a there's a little bit of a difference um but for me i mean i've always enjoyed halloween halloween's probably been my favorite favorite holiday ever since i was a kid and it was really funny because yesterday which was halloween i got a text from my mom and it's a picture of me when i'm maybe eight years old <laughs> in my first star wars costume oh my it's gosh it's really I'll, I'll post it on our facebook yes page. yes um, but it's this really, really janky Darth Vader costume. But as a kid, you're thinking, I'm dressing up as Darth Vader. I have this mask. I have a lightsaber. And 20-something years removed, you look back at it, and your lightsaber is a flashlight. <laughs> the mask is this cheap vinyl thing that you remember falling apart. And the actual almost like bonnet part of Darth Vader's helmet was foam. Oh. So it was, it was, it was not nice looking. But as a kid, you're like, oh, man, I am I am the Lord of the Sith. I am Darth Vader. I mean, it's probably better than, uh, you know, back in 77. They didn't. Oh, yeah. When, when the movie came out, they didn't have, you know, the they didn't have costumes and stuff yet. So anybody who 
you know, was a kid who watched it and was like, I want to be Darth Vader for Halloween. They had to freaking make it themselves. Yeah, the costumes back then, I mean, the, the best you could hope for was a plastic mask and a t-shirt that came with it that said the character's name. Right. Yeah. Costumes started, you know, starting off back then in the 80s and 70s, they weren't what they are now. And even between the 90s from when we grew up to now, they've evolved. Well, I'll say real quick, I was using this weekend my lightsaber that I used in my fifth grade Halloween costume when I was Yoda. <laughs> and that thing, I have not replaced the batteries since I was in sixth grade. So I think that maybe in the late 90s, they had a little bit more integrity <laughs> to the lightsabers where I feel like now they might be built to break. But that's just my own personal experience. <laughs> well, it's, it's Yeah, you're, I mean, looking at the quality of the costumes too, I... I feel like things have certain things have gotten better, certain things have gotten worse. I think props have gotten a little better. Sometimes the costumes just don't feel as well, and they feel a lot more uh, like straight out of the box. They're very, they're very, they look all the same. Like there's no um, chance for personalization of the costumes. Like back when you were a kid, you could kind of tweak things. Now everything's screen printed onto this piece of fabric that you you kind of walk around in a onesie, really. Mm. But uh. Yeah, so started doing that kind of stuff growing up in, in high school. I enjoyed dressing up for Halloween. And then in high school, I started seeing all these different Star Wars groups, like the costuming groups. And the first one that I remember seeing was the 501st Legion. I'm thinking, oh, wow, these are a bunch of adults that enjoy costuming too. So they get to go walk around in these costumes. That you know, That's really cool. Then I learned about the Mandalorian Mercs. I learned about the Rebel Legion. And... Once I came out of high school and into college, I started really looking into, okay, well, you know, there's a group of adults out there that enjoy doing something I did as a kid. And I feel like coming out of high school, there wasn't as large of a, you know, mainstream geek community. Right. So these are people that I can kind of, you know, I can relate to. Hey, we like Star Wars and we like the costumes. The only hard part was that they're really expensive. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the first things that you learn, especially when you want to do uh, Star Wars costume like a really good costume is that it takes money so I saved up saved up saved up and slowly started gathering the parts for um, my first five or first costume but in the meantime we me and my wife did some uh, Mandalorian steampunk mashups just so we can have a little a little something to do <laughs> so that was a fun little costume that we did for for a few years to the different conventions and then when it came time to start building my costume for the five first uh, aside from during the research to try to find the different pieces, one thing that was a big help was uh, other members of the 501st that I was friends with offered to help me put it together. So I'd go to their houses, they'd come over, we'd have armor building parties where we'd just go get food, get something to drink, and we would just both work in our costumes. Now, just for a little bit of background, uh, joining the 501st, um, and for people who might not know what that is, uh, do you just say, hey, I want to troop with you guys i want to be a member do you have to display a certain amount of skill or can you just go along so the 501st legion uh in case you're not too sure what it is it's the uh, largest international fan-based organization it's dedicated to uh the wearing of screen accurate star wars costumes that are based on the dark side of the empire so stormtroopers tie pilots uh clone troopers kind of get mixed into their darth vader Darth Maul, all those are those dark side characters. So it's uh, it's it's an organization where if you go onto the 501st website, you can actually look at the list of costumes that are approved to be part of the group and the requirements for it. So you 
the first thing you'd want to do is to just kind of figure out okay which kind of which costume you want to do and depending on the costume the cost will either be high or low i mean there's some that are pretty cheap and then you're looking at ones at darth vader and boba fett that are a few thousand dollars mm. once you kind of have an idea of what you want to do um you would go onto the 501st website and you would look up your local garrison so the way that the the whole group since the 501st is worldwide we're split up into these garrisons um and they're i mean we're everywhere california i think has four individual garrisons alone and this is just a way to organize ourselves you would contact your local garrison you'd find their uh their forums based you know pulled off the, the 501st website and you'd basically just add yourself to the forum saying you you want to become a member introduce yourselves and you can figure out when the next armor party is you know when the next gathering is uh, other members will help you build the costume once you have your costume built you'll take submission pictures you'll take pictures of your costume uh, with really good light showing the details and everything. All this information you can find on the, the 501st website in case you're interested in joining. And then you submit those. Uh, the costume approver from your garrison looks them over, and then you get the email saying, congratulations, you're now part of the 501st. So the whole thing that you do after that point is going onto the forums again, looking up where our next troop is. Uh, there's there's troops almost every single weekend and these are all things that we volunteer to do everything from a video game release to a hospital visit oh. uh, orphanage i mean we do we do every single thing any, any kind of thing that you know especially for kids if there's something that we know that there's going to be kids there we've done i did i did a health fair not that long ago for kids uh i mean and you know when you're a kid getting a shot it's really scary but then when you get to sit next to a stormtrooper who's pretending to get a shot with you <laughs> it kind of makes things a little bit more relaxed that's adorable getting your inhibitor chip put in right <laughs> well and it, was, it was great because they actually were uh trying to get kids interested in being doctors so they had a few kids dress up as doctors and they came up to us asking what our ailments were so i'm like oh i have a horrible cough and i'm pressing on my chest box and they're checking out my tubes and taking my temperature and all this stuff so it's Aww. it's it's a it's a lot of fun it's all volunteer work. We we try to give back to the community as much as we can. Uh, we do charitable giving. We do a lot of work with the uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation. And then we work hand-in-hand hand with uh, the Rebel Legion, which is our sister, one of our sister groups. They do all the Rebel and the Good Guy costumes. And then we also work really well with the Mandalorian Mercs. So uh, it's a they're similar to the 501st and the Rebel Legion. The only difference is that they have a little more freedom for their costumes. Mm-hmm. So you have the basic Mandalorian type of armor and all that, but each member is allowed to decorate theirs uh, how they want it, you know, within certain parameters. But as opposed to us, where stormtroopers have to be all white and, you know, we have very strict guidelines, they have a little bit more room for expression, like self-expression with the paint schemes and some of the different bits of armor. So how many hours a week would you say you commit to work on your gear and then actually trooping with the 501st? Uh, when I first started building the gear, uh, I think it took me about a month to get it all completed. I mean, it was just every day coming home after work, sanding, trimming, spray painting, more sanding, and then I messed up, so I had to re-sand. <laughs> <laughs> the best part was the neighbors above us had a cat on their balcony, so I'd go out there, spray a brand new coat of enamel, look beautiful, and then the cat would go out there, do his business, and I'd go back, and my chest piece was just covered in kitty litter. Oh, no. But, uh, I mean, once you have your kit built, you know, every now and then I'll give it a quick clean. Uh, the requirement is you do one troop a year, 
but a lot of us do a lot more than that. We try to do as many as we can. I try to do one. I try to do it at least once a month. Right now, I'm kind of doing about two to three a month, depending on what my work schedule is. But your troops can be as short as two hours and as long as eight hours. It just depends on what you're able to dedicate uh, time-wise. And so I guess the tying it back into our larger topic, would you consider yourselves cosplayers? I think so, because when we go in costume, uh, we we go in character. Mm-hmm. So we don't introduce ourselves as, hey, I'm Alex, you know, I'm a Star Wars fan, this and that. We introduce, hey, you know, we're assigned a specific number. So I'm TI-62526 to the uh, Imperial Navy. And that's, you know, oh, what does this do? Oh, that's, you know, that's how I breathe in space and all this stuff. We go and we pretend that we're part of that world. If we go and we're just like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm Alex, I live in, you know, the valley and all that stuff, it kind of pulls out from the, you know, from the fantasy of it. So we go in there, you know, Darth Vader walks in, He's breathing and all that, flanked by stormtroopers. You have some biker scouts and all that, and it creates this whole, you know, you're, all of a sudden Star Wars has come off the screen and you're part of it. And I think that's why a lot of people like cosplaying Star Wars is because as a fan, you get to watch it, but when you dress up, you become part of the world that you're a fan of. That's awesome. And there's also yeah. a really big community aspect to it, right? Other cosplayers interacting with each other and, you know, not just in oh, the yeah. Bible first, but in general. Yeah, the... The 501st Revolution, Mandalorian, and Mercsman, those are the, the, the main three. There's other uh, groups that do just, you know, there's the Saber Guild that does a lot more, you know, Jedi and Sith, and they do awesome lightsaber tricks. There's there's so many different groups out there, and we all work really well with each other, but it's all a community. What was the one we saw where it was like, they had the BB Hate? <laughs> dark Empire? The or Dark whatever. Empire, yeah, and they're, they're dedicated to, you know, Sith and the Dark Side. and yeah you know and what's nice is that you have people it's not like each of these groups the members are only in their club each member or each each group has members in you know each club really you have people that are mandalorian mercs rebel legion dark empire saber guild and 501st i mean it's 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 a great community when you walk around at your conventions and you see people and you start to meet them and you're like hey you're part of this group and part of this group and you take pictures and then you go you know a thousand miles across the country or whatever to Orlando and you see these exact same people that you met, you know, in San Francisco, hey, it, you're all there for the same reason to kind of just geek out with Star Wars. That's awesome. So yeah. Fun. And I know uh, it's, it's funny because uh, me and my wife have been cosplaying for, for a while. So we know how it feels when you're walking around a convention center and you get stuff for pictures and all this stuff. But uh, over in Star Wars Celebration, while I was in uh, my TIE pilot kit, I was going to take the picture with the 501st Legion. And Nicole, Josh's girlfriend, and my wife Megan dressed up as Night Sisters. And I remember finding them back on the floor, and Nicole and Megan were getting pictures taken of them. And I see Josh, and he just has this worn, tired look on his face. <laughs> and I was like, You guys have been stopping to take pictures like every five minutes, haven't you? And he's like, Yep. Yep. It was, it was. I mean, we joked because the whole time I was basically their handler because, you know, sometimes people get weird. And, oh, yeah. And I was the one who'd be like, all right, we got to go. Like, try to get help get them away from, like, the weirdos who are like, who, who, what's your Facebook or whatever? And it's like, I don't have one, <laughs> you know. Uh, and also, yeah, every two seconds it was like, oh, my God, Night Sisters, because no one dresses up as Night Sisters. I think... The whole time we were there, we saw one, one other one, 
I think. Or there was like a Mother Towson or something. Yeah, there was a Mother Towson. I think only one other sister, but Megan, Megan and Nicole were by far the most popular ones. Yeah. So I guess that's a good tip for people who are just trying or thinking about getting into cosplaying when they go to conventions is that if you do a good job and you have a really cool, unique costume, you will get stopped and perhaps <laughs> harassed. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, it's, I mean, you're going to go, if you're going to go in costume, go to have fun. Don't worry how good it is just make sure that it's something that you're proud of that you enjoy and especially if you're going to a comic book convention no one has a right to say oh your costume isn't that nice i mean you're you're around a bunch of people that are there for a comic book convention <laughs> like they're all there for the same reason you are no one has a right to harass them or you know i mean there's going to be different levels of skill when it comes to your costume that you wear but i mean we're again we're all there for the same reason just you're in your costume even if it's store-bought go have fun it's it's about expressing your passions. Exactly. It's it's that and you're expressing your fandom. You're a fan of this. This is what I want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And there's always going to be weird people. I mean, there's there's certain people at conventions where you you know who to avoid because they either ask weird questions or this this and that. I mean, there's the whole issue with cosplay is not consent. I mean, that's a, that's a whole larger thing that's right. Uh, an issue within a lot of the conventions and stuff. But as long as you kind of take care of yourself and you make sure you're hanging around with the right people that that shouldn't be an issue which i guess Mm -hmm. is a good reason to you know maybe ally yourself with one of these groups um if you're feeling nervous about that about doing it alone and that's cool i didn't know there was so many different uh groups that you could reach out to and then you don't even have to be part of a group really if you if you have a group of friends and you're you know star wars fans figure out a costume i mean aside from all the the canon or the uh, you know like the Boba Fett, Stormtroopers, Mandalorians, and all that. People do a lot of crossover costumes. Yeah. You see a lot of Disney, uh, what do you call them? Disney Princess Jedi. Like we saw a bunch of them. At oh Apple my God. There's a whole crew uh-huh. of Disney Princess Jedi. I love Jedi. that idea. There's a cosplayer. Her name is Amber Arden. She's really nice. She's based off out of uh, Southern California. And uh, her and a gr- group of her friends, they did uh, Disney Princess Mandalorians. So all the co- all the armor was based off the character, you know, Disney That's characters. That's badass. And it was really cool because they kept the uh, the Mandalorian aesthetic in there, you know, the standard armor, but they painted it up and they changed the soft goods. So you had, you know, it was their expression of their own art, their own fandom of Disney and Star Wars. Very interesting. Yeah. And like, yeah. even, I'm not usually someone who, who dresses up a lot, but I have plans in order for sometime in the next year coming up with a, uh, or getting made. I'm I'm not a I'm not a, a good person with my hands, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> everything everything I do is is digital for the most part. Um and uh I'm planning on getting a custom lightsaber and and a Jedi outfit which I have kind of designed in my mind and I'm going to do like a crude drawing of it at some point and get someone to sew for me, but uh I do not know when I will get that made, but that, that is something I want to do. But I, I also have no intentions of joining like a larger group um, because I don't have time. And uh, I, I assume that it takes up a, a, a large amount of time to do stuff like that. So it takes up a lot of your free time, especially when, you know, you work Monday through Friday and your weekends are your only days off. I mean, there's, there's certain weekends where I'm like, Hey Megan, um, I accidentally signed up for two troops. So I'm going to be gone all weekend accidentally signed so up for have, accidentally <laughs> yeah 
Well, like, honestly, it's like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that's down the tree. I'll do that. Oh, that's, you know, that's not that far. And then you realize, oh, shoot, um, on my day off, I'm not even going to be home. So you always want to make sure you kind of balance out, you know, your obligations you yeah. know, to your family versus your costume. Because I Plus, know there's some people that it, it kind of takes over. And you want to make sure they don't, you know, like with anything, that you don't overdo it. I mean, that's, that's something we talked about in our collecting episode mm-hmm. was knowing your limits or knowing when to limit yourself or having a person there who tells you yeah, and costumes to cut it become, out. <laughs> you know, really, and, and costumes become a collection. Like, I know people who used to collect action figures and they've sold all their figures and now they have 10, 11 costumes. Like, you go into their apartment and they have mannequins and on the mannequins are every single one of their costumes. Wow. Oh. So, and... I mean, there's people for everything. You can just want to do a, a one-off. Hey, I want to be a rebel pilot. So you buy something from, you know, spirit store and you kind of modify it or you wear it like that. And then there are other people who are like, you know what? I want to do every version of Stormtrooper that there is. And they'll do every single one. That's a lot. It's a lot. And it's a lot of money. But for them, it's it's what they like to do. So, like, wait, every every single one? Jeez. Well, I know that there's there's a few people. There's I know of one lady here in Southern California, and she's trying to do every single version of Princess Leia that's approved in the Rebel Legion. Oof. And she's done almost every single one of them. And her costume, like she's a seamstress, her costumes are are perfect. Like they look really good. So does Re- so does Rebel? I know this is turning into not only a cosplay episode, but more of a fan group episode or a cosplay group episode. But like Rebel Legion, are they just as strict as 501st? Because I know talking to you, 501st seems like pretty strict. Like they want movie quality costumes in their group or whatever. Yeah, five, uh, Rebel Legion has the same kind of uh, rules. Like they have called out, you know, the type of buttons you need to use, you know, the, the dimensions of different things. It's, it's trying to, you know, be as accurate as possible. Um, and yeah, that can be kind of hard and that can be a little expensive, but the members are, are here to help each other out to make sure that we can get it done. Like, you're never alone in trying to build these costumes. Well, bringing mm-hmm. it out to kind of the costumes themselves, um, I feel like it is interesting because there is a range, it seems like, in terms of how much maybe time and money investment you would need to do to get an accurate Star Wars costume. I mean, you look at someone like the Jedi or a Ray, and it seems like just regular draping and sewing perhaps versus the pieces that you would need um to be a trooper or a darth vader like you said um it's interesting to look at the the costumes themselves in that way and how they were designed i guess my question is what is your source material when you're going to actually create these because i would assume over the years even within the original trilogy there was adjustments made to the original costumes um Oh yeah, I mean, you're looking. If you look at in between the different movies, there's adjustments made to Darth Vader, to the stormtroopers. I, I mean, there's if you're trying to do a standard stormtrooper, there's so many different versions of just a stormtrooper. But a, a lot of it, what the what the fan groups have done, and what a lot of cosplayers do, is they'll look at the source material. They'll look at production photos. They'll look at scenes from the movies. Um, some of them have even contacted some of the original prop artisans or customers just to be like, "Hey, so I'm working on this. Where did you find these pieces?" And they found out information that way. Uh, a lot of the uh, visual guys that have come out over the years have been a big. Yeah, help I was too. reading about um, this book, Star Wars Costumes, the original trilogy. Yeah, that's that's been a big help, especially when we're working with the soft goods. And a lot of the times when they have the touring museums for all the costumes, which I think uh, one of them was in the, the UK for a while, it's coming to the United States now. 
it gives you, you know, you get to see the type of fabric that they're using. You get to see the weight of the fabric. You kind of see the details that are put in there. Uh, if you look at a launch bay at Disneyland too, and at Disney World, you have costumes on display there that uh, while we're not too sure where they came from, at least you can get a, a good look at what it should look like in person. Right. You can kind of see how the, the different pieces fit and how it how it'll fit on the person wearing it. Right. We should mention that um, very recently, um, one of the original costume designers for Star Wars passed away, a man by the name That's of John right. Molo, yes. Molo, Molo, who actually won an Academy Award for the Star Wars costumes. He did a whole bunch of stuff in his career, including uh, the costumes in Alien. Um, but I was reading a lot of interviews with him and looking him talking about the process because he was there um, from you know day one, looking at the concept sketches and working with George Lucas to translate those ideas. And um, one of the things that he talked about a lot was that the characters must always be credible, and how in a lot of sci-fi at that time there was a lot of things that didn't seem believable, but. Uh, there's a quote from him that said, they must look as if they got up that morning and put on what they wore the day before. Theater is spectacle, and you can put Lady Macbeth in almost anything you want. She can wear a dress covered with bits of mirror and rubber, lace-painted gold, and she'll do splendidly on stage, but film is different. It is much more realistic, even if the subject isn't. Film always appears as if we're eavesdropping on the characters' lives, a form of newsreel. Um, which I think is really awesome, and I think he also talks about how they wanted to make it look like it wasn't reacting to the fashions of the time, which I think is what makes it a good cosplay today. Um, mm-hmm. They are kind of utilitarian costumes. Um, they're drawing on, you know, things like the concept of the samurai versus 70s trends, though I feel like there's a little bit of the 70s flair, but I think for the most part they avoided um, anything that might stick out as being too, I don't know, specific to that era. They, de- they definitely avoided the very pulp aesthetic that Star Wars is based mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. for sure. Like, the the weird, like, short skirts and the no-sleeves jumpsuits, you know, and, and, the we- and, you know, the Buck Rogers kind of look. Right. They, they seem to have totally avoided that, um, which I think well, is Well, they talked thing. about for <laughs> the um, – he talked a lot about how for the Empire, obviously, they were modeling after Germany's um, army attire – um, kind of a mix between World War One and World War Two era, um, but uh, there was also a great line that reminded me of your process, um, Alex, as he says, um, "The costumes from Star Wars are really not much costumes, uh, not so much costumes as a bit of cl- plumbing in general automobile engineering," um, which I think is funny as you have to do you know consider all the tubes he talked about how uh they went out and just bought 50 tubes from like a home depot to use (laughs) yeah and honestly we did the same thing i think my tubes are from uh vacuum so i guess that's kind of a question is when you're talking about kind of trying to mimic um what they did are you guys pretty much doing the same process yeah a lot of it's i mean if if they used a vacuum hose for a part of the costume we try to get the exact same vacuum hose (laughs) Because even if we, I mean, you can't, you can either try really hard to make it yourself or you can get the exact same thing that they used. And a lot of the stuff that they used was came from hardware stores that, you know, they kit bashed a lot of their stuff. You look at the the E-11 guns, the ones that the Stormtroopers used, and those are just modified guns from World War II. You know, they added bits here and there, they cut off things, but 
I mean, they're, they're things that were from the real world that were just modified to look spacey. So, and, and I think that's a, a big part of the, the Star Wars costume design, like you guys are talking about, how it, how it feels, it feels mm-hmm. right. Like, if you look at the costume design for the Alien movie that came out, what, mm-hmm. two years later? And the costumes were very, not, not weird, but they felt, they felt very sci-fi-ish, like the overly puffy spacesuits with the bright right. colors. And it felt very of the times, like this, like you're, like Josh was saying, very mm-hmm. pulpish. Like you look at the the art, the original concept art for the alien costumes, and they're bright pinks, bright orange, bright greens, and then you look at the original sketches uh, done by John Molo, and they're very. I actually beautiful. read a whole article about his use of color in the Star Wars films and how he stayed away from it because it's so hard um, to make that not scream out on of the film. Um, and that he used mostly muted earth tones to try and stay away from anything that took it into a realm of, yeah, over uh, saturation, you know. It's very interesting. Yeah, and you're, you're, you're dealing in a time period, too. It's, it's war. You don't have, I mean, it's, you're not getting Coruscant, like the bright lights of neon and all that. You're getting a bunch of people that have been fighting in this war mm-hmm. for years. You know, the rebels are going to be dingy as, as hell, and the Imperials are going to be as, you know, monotone as possible you look at soldiers and they're very you know every single uniform has the same color same cut and everything depending on you know which group you're in but the empire had the same thing going on too it wasn't you know there wasn't like a a random bright stripe here or there or a giant badge that said the empire on it it was you could tell by the way they dressed how clean cut they were okay these are the bad guys who have power and have money, and these are the good guys who are just trying to use whatever they can find. Yeah, there's another great quote. He says, uniforms are really difficult to make so that they look good. It's very easy to make them look bad. Basically, George wanted the Empire to look like fascists and the rebels to look like casual Americans. The stormtroopers are in white instead of black, so it's less obvious. Their headgear is a cross between a flying helmet and a gas mask. Their costumes are quite flimsy, really. Oh, and they're hard to yeah. In real life, I've never, I haven't worn uh, a stormtrooper kit. I mean, I have, I have little armor as a tie pilot, but you, you see, you can tell the difference between people who have worn their uh, stormtrooper outfit for multiple years because they know how to walk into it, and someone who has put it on for the first time because you have like this, uh, like a gumby walk almost <laughs> where you can't really bend. And when we walk, if you, if you're ever near someone dressed as a stormtrooper or honestly any Star Wars costume, we sound like toy soldiers because you just plastic on plastic just clanking and bits rubbing against each other and it, it doesn't sound very star warsy but that's just the reality of these costumes now i have a question when it comes to the 501st how do you decide who gets to be darth vader on a day like are there multiple darth vaders so when we sign up for a troop usually our our goal unless it's requested you know that we have various shifts or it's a very long troop that face characters we can only have one of each right. character so it's whoever can sign up for it first now we have larger events like the hollywood christmas parade where it's a three mile parade route so a darth vader may not be able to do the whole route so at some certain point we'll switch out vaders but if you're doing say you're doing a charity event for an alzheimer's walk you'll have one darth vader you can have an anakin skywalker um, just as long as it's not the same version of the face character mm-hmm usually we have only one princess leia from the rebel legion different things like that Uh, the nice thing about being just a soldier is that you can have more than one there and the more of you there are the cooler it looks but i mean we we all do this for for fun and 
it really all starts with Halloween. I mean, I know we're talking about cosplay and all that, but the first thing that we all do as kids is we dress up in Halloween costumes and we go out trick-or-treating and that's that's like your first introduction to hey costuming is fun this is something that's an enjoyable and you don't necessarily just have to do cosplay at conventions too there's a lot of different events that we do uh, around you know different times of the year and if you want to just go out with your friends and do like a little photo shoot or do a fan film you have a costume just go for it have fun with it that and some people like making the costumes and not necessarily dressing up oh yeah yeah and that's and that's the nice thing about the costumes is that you may not know how to build the armor or how to vacuum form, you know, ABS plastic. Someone out there does. I, I honestly don't know how to do that, you know, how to do it with the plastic. So I found someone who was able to make me a kit and then I put it together. So there's, there's a lot of different skilled craft levels there and you don't need to know them all. As long as you're, you're good with glue, <laughs> you should be fine. There's usually some other fan out there near you who can help you put your things together that i soldered the cables in my helmet you know (laughs) (laughs) well it's like for 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 my wife's twilight costume we wanted to get leku i have no idea how to sculpt leku and then cast it in latex like that is beyond me but luckily etsy is a great website and we found someone who could do it for us who actually makes some of that's kind of their business leku rs kind of yeah actually (laughs) But it's crazy because they have different sizes and there's different people. You kind of find the vendor that you like the most and you, you know, you just go for it. And uh, it works Man. pretty well. Only, it gets a little warm, but... Uh, Etsy it, must be a godsend for Well, I was going to ask this question. If someone comes up to you at a con and they're like, oh my gosh, your costume's so awesome. Uh, you know, how'd you make this? Would they look down on you if you said, oh, I bought this from someone on Etsy? I don't think so. I mean, uh, I know, that, you know, there's always people who find them a little uppity about what they do. At least from my experience with the conventions here in Southern California, you know, LA Comic Con, WonderCon, you have San Diego and all that down here. It really depends on who you're talking to. There are some cosplayers who are very, I made this, this is what I can do. You know, if you don't make your costume, you're not doing it for the right reasons or this, this, and that. And then there are other people that are doing it more to be models for the costumes. Like, hey, this vendor makes, you know, not necessarily like a Star Wars costume, but like say, hey, this vendor makes a full Spider-Man bodysuit. Mm. I'm going to buy that, and I'll wear that, and that's my cosplay. That works, too. It kind of depends on what you want to do. I mean, yeah, again, you're going to find people who are like, oh, well, you didn't make that. You know, you bought that, so it's not as good as mine that I made. You don't you don't need that kind of negativity. And also, like, maybe your them. thing is the performance part of it. Like, you really feel like you can channel that character and the way they act, and that's part of the, the fun of it as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and not everyone has, again, not everyone has the skill set to do or, or even the room to do armor. Like, for, in my in my case, when we first started doing our, uh, our mashup of the Mandalorian, uh, our, we did Mandalorian, uh, Steampunk Mandalorians, our apartment did not have a patio. So I'm working with Bondo and spray paint and all this stuff <laughs> in our apartment. And I created, like, a, uh, a spray paint room like i i cornered off a full section of our apartment put up plastic tarps and all this to to actually be able to do sanding and spray painting and all this like right up against a window did a whole ventilation system thing some people just don't have the room to do this stuff me i enjoy making costumes like for me part of my cosplay part of the enjoyment i get from it is being able to put things together other people see it as a collectible or they just don't have the time and they just want to buy it as long as you enjoy it 
that's what matters. For sure. I mean, you're going to be the one wearing it. It's, no one else has the right to say, oh, you didn't put enough effort into that, so you're, you know, your cosplay sucks. No, you're, you're wearing it. Enjoy it. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I think that's pretty cool. I, you got me wanting to get my Jedi outfit going, but I don't know that I have the time right now. Just start slow, you know, start finding the boots, start finding... For me, I always I always try to find all the accessories first and slowly plan for the major parts. Like, the major part for my uh, TIE pilot was the helmet and the uh, the chest armor stuff. So I, sl- I bought the gloves first, grabbed the belt, got the boots, slowly over time just kind of sourced them. I mean, eBay is a big help, especially when you're trying to find, like... German jackboots oh, from World wow. War II, you know, randomly. Um, so, it, you know, just slowly do the research, and then at a certain point you're like, oh, I just need, you know, I just need the robe. And then that's when you find someone, hey, can you help me do this? Here's a pattern and all that stuff. And then you really get into it. And then before you know it, your costume is done, and it's Halloween, or it's a convention, or you're going to go to groceries, <laughs> and you put it on, and you and you do your thing. That's awesome. Because you know at some point in your life you've always been like, you know what, I want to go and get fried chicken dressed as Chewbacca. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't want to do that? Well, now I <laughs> want to do that. Right? <laughs> that sounds amazing. It's fun. And I'm, and I'm sure because I'm sure both of you guys have gone to conventions and you see the different levels of skill with the different customers. I mean, you have some people that, I mean, they wear these giant outfits like Hulk, you know, Hulk fighting armor from Iron Man you know, compared to like something much smaller. It just kind of depends on what you want to do and what you have time to do. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. recently you yeah. went and talked to some of your fellow cosplayers at uh, Comic-Con, right? Yeah. So this past weekend was LA Comic-Con, Stanley's LA Comic-Con over at the uh, Los Angeles Convention Center. We were over there Saturday and Sunday took some time to talk to some of the, the local cosplayers. I spoke to my friend Robert, who's a fellow 501st member. I also spoke to my wife, which you guys will hear some clips in a second. And uh, there's a cosplayer. His name is Jordan. He uh, He's known on Instagram and on Facebook. He's pretty popular as uh, Mini Boba Fett. And he has been dressing up as Boba Fett for, I want to say, a good almost four years now. And, I mean, he was really small. And he came up How to maybe my hip when he first started out. Oh. He just turned 11. And it was great because we, we didn't even notice this. But the first time he dressed up as Boba Fett, again, he was a little kid. He he wore uh, a Ruby's, you know, the, the really soft, foamy armor with an inflatable backpack. And there's actually a picture of us from WonderCon 2012 where he ran up to me and my wife and our uh, Steampunk Mandalorians being like, oh, I want to get a picture with you. And then we found the picture again last year, and we realized that that was Jordan, who now, who you guys are hearing the interviews, his uh, mom and dad helped make this costume. And I mean, the costume's really well done. He actually has the armor, he has the soft goods, he has a, a legitimate helmet, um, he has lights on the kit. I mean, it's a really, really good costume for a kid. And uh, his dad, who's also a first member, works on these costumes, and because he's a kid, he grows you know, every year or so they keep having to rebuild and rebuild and rebuild. <laughs> but through his cosplay, he's met a lot of really cool people. Like he, uh, he's now friends with Daniel Logan. Uh, they've done photo ops together. He's gone to Comic-Con. He's been interviewed by Vanity uh, Fair. And it's all because, he, yeah, it's all, and it's all because he enjoys Star Wars and dressing up in costume. 
I think all of us, we can agree at like age 11, we all love doing that. So why not continue it yeah. you know, into your adult? But uh, yeah, you'll hear in these interviews, I, I talked to, to all these people on it's a sorry if it's a little loud we're we're in the middle of the convention but uh you'll kind of get an insight as to what goes into these costumes and why these people dress up as star wars characters all right well let's roll some of those right now (laughs) uh i'm here with james this is mini boba fett's dad we're actually standing again here at the mini boba fett booth at la comic-con uh, James, I know you're a file first member like me too. So, what costume do you have? I have a scout trooper. I'm TV six five three four six out of Central California Garrison. How long did it take you guys to do uh, Jordan's costumes? I know it's evolved over time as he's grown up bigger. You guys do new versions, and you just finished up this newest version. Yes, I just finished a new one. Um, I've been making a new version of his costume. Right now, the, what he's wearing right now is a combination of old and new. But I'd say every like six to eight months, I have to like build something new, whether it's uh, armor plate, flak vest, or the flight suit. Something's always new on him. And then, is it just me, or is the flak suit, or the underneath? It's the uh, Empire Strikes Back version, correct? This is the ESB version, yes. And then you guys have done a prototype Boba Fett two for Comic Con a number years ago. Yes, um, that was back in 2014 Comic Con, San Diego. So he's done every single version of Boba Fett, probably except for Holiday Special? No Holiday, no ROTJ yet. I'm thinking about doing a Django Fett for him, so mini Django might, might be on his way. So how long do you think it takes you to build a full kit of armor when you... Well, the, the armor, the soft goods, all that stuff. Uh, minus sleep, minus work, I could probably make one within like a week and a half, I want to say. And then I've seen Jordan, he's gotten the popularity from not only Instagram but Facebook, but he's also met Daniel Logan and some other people too. Um, how has that worked out using Jordan's costume as a like an icebreaker to other Boba Fett fans? Um, it's a pretty good venue. I mean, like the Star Wars community is very close knit. It's like more not like just fans, more like family. When you see another guy wearing like a Star Wars shirt, you're like, oh wow, you're cool. We like the same things. It's like an instant conversation. And same thing with um, Boba Fett. He's like one of the most beloved characters in the, the franchise. And whenever you see someone with a Mandalorian helmet, you just gotta stop and appreciate just the love for the character. So we talked to Jordan earlier, and he was telling us how one costume he wants to do in the future is like another Mandalorian, but a custom one. What is your next costume that you want to do? For myself? For yourself. Um, I'm working with DW Designs right now for a um, clone trooper. Um, I don't know what captain yet, I don't know what commander, but it's gonna be a, a phase one clone trooper. And if you could do any Star Wars costume, Anything, no matter how much it costs or whatever, which costume would it be? That'd be a Boba Fett. Boba Fett? Yeah. Which version? ESV. ESV. All right, awesome. Cool. Oh, All right, I'm here with Gene. This is Mini Boba Fett's mom. We're actually at their booth at LA Comic Con. How, how are you guys doing today? Good, how are you? Good, good. Um, I wanted to ask you guys about doing the cosplay for Jordan. I know. He's done other cosplays that are not Star Wars related, but he's known for being Boba Fett. Like, is there a reason why he gravitates, or you guys gravitate more towards Star Wars versus other things? Uh, well, because Jordan loves Star Wars, and he just likes to choose his own cosplay. How long? How much of an investment have you guys made in his costumes? Uh, time and money, is, it's a lot. And, and the time's probably the biggest one, The right? biggest, yeah, yeah, the time. For sure. But he enjoys it, right? This is something that you and you guys do together as a family? Yes, he loves it. He got us into it and we've been doing it since 
I think 2013, yes. And a lot of the stuff, actually, all, all the merchandise that you guys sell is for charity. So how, do, how does that work out? All the, pro, all the profits for the charity, we give it to parents by choice. And it's, it's a foster children charity, and all, and we buy them backpacks, blankets, and this year we're trying to go for jackets. That's awesome. So I'm right here with Minnie Boba Fett. You're dressed up as Minnie Boba Fett here at Emma. LA Comic Con. See, that's him right there. Say hi. Emma. Hey, so why do you dress up as Minnie Boba Fett? Because I like Boba Fett. Is he your favorite bounty hunter? Yeah. So what other Star Wars costumes do you have that are, other cosplays of Star Wars do you have? Uh, Biker Scout. Kylo Ren, Which is your favorite one? Boba Fett. So why do you like doing Star Wars cosplay? Because I like Star Wars and I always wanted to cosplay one. So when you grow up, are you going to join the 501st with us? Yeah. Yeah. What's, yeah. What is a Star Wars costume that you haven't done yet that you really want to do? Um, Any costume. I want to custom Mandalorian. What kind of? My own. Just kind of like your own paint scheme and all that? Yeah. That'd be cool. And one more question for you. So... You do charity work, do you, right? You yeah. You do a lot of charity work. Do you enjoy going to the, the different events in your costume and helping them out with that? Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you, Jordan. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Still here at LA Comic Con. I'm standing here with Megan, my wife. How are you doing today? I'm great. So you do Star Wars cosplays with me. What cosplays do you do? I have a Rebel Twi'lek. And I have a night sister that I do with Josh's girlfriend. And I do a TIE fighter. I think the TIE fighter was the most fun one because, they, well, I don't know. The night sister was pretty cool. Yeah, you did the night fun. sister for um, Star Wars Celebration this past year. Florida. Yeah, and you and Nicole, were, you, you guys had to stop a lot with Josh. Josh was kind of your wrangler walking around. Oh, yeah. Uh, Nicole was not prepared for the mob of people wanting our picture. So what's something that, so that's something that happens when you do cosplay conventions. You get stopped for pictures. Oh, yes. Especially when you do more, un, well, I, I guess, obscure, I guess. Not, not as mainstream. Uh, people get really excited about it. So I tried to warn Nicole that people are going to want pictures, but she was she was not prepared for how many times we got stopped and, and mobbed for pictures. Yeah, I remember finding you guys after our, our Fireball was picture, and I see Josh just standing in the back with this tired face. <laughs> I asked him, you all right? He's like, just, just a lot of pictures, man. And he wasn't even the one in the picture. Yeah, it's uh, but that's, that's one nice thing to have, to have uh, someone to support you because yeah. your costumes don't have pockets. You can't carry anything usually. Nope. I had to put my phone in my boot. Yeah. So why do you enjoy cosplaying as Star Wars people? Uh, it's just fun. I mean, uh, I feel like the uh, Star Wars community is just a, a, a fun group of people. No matter where you are, where you go, people are, love Star Wars and they they want to talk to you about it. They want to take pictures with you. It's just it's just fun. Well, today she was in line at the uh, Hot Topic booth to buy an Ahsoka pop figure. And what happened to you in line? Oh, the uh, the cash register guy just he went on and, and was telling me his thoughts and theories about if Ahsoka is alive or dead and her story and just I had to walk away because there was other people in line and someone else shooed me and I'm like I'm sorry it's not my fault he's the one talking to me like it was intense yeah that's that's uh that is my wife she's a Star Wars cosplayer I 
Yeah. Oh no, you also did another one. We did uh, Sith. Oh yeah. We did I Sith a while ago. Sith in a while, yeah. yeah. So that was fun too. What is your your dream Star Wars costume that you'd love to do? I think my well, see, I have a couple, but I think my dream would be to do a uh, an X-wing pilot. An X-wing pilot? Yeah. You don't want to do anything Imperial so you can troop with your husband? See, but see, that's the thing is I really want to do an X-wing pilot, but then I also really want to do something so I could be in the five first. But there's so many options, I don't know which I want to do. Well, luckily, the 501st Rebel Legion, Mandalorian, and Murphy work really well hand-in-hand, so... Yes. Um, yeah, it's, if you're looking to get a costume and you want to do some, some good stuff to it, join one of those three groups. There's also other fan groups you can join. Those are just the most dominant ones, or the most popular ones, but we all work together. It's all for charity and, and just to nerd out. It's a good time all around. Yeah. So I'm here at LA Comic Con. I'm over here with my friend Robert, who is another member of the 501st. Robert, what costume do you wear? The uh, costume that I wear is the Force Unleashed. Uh, wait, is it Force Unleashed? Yeah. Yeah, oh, my bad. Force Unleashed um, Shadow Guard. How long did it take you to make the costume? Uh, it took me too long. It took me like almost a year for just a few parts. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> that's one of the things about the 501st costume that it takes a while to gather all the parts and then put them together. Um, why why do you dress up in Star Wars costumes aside? Because I know you had your uh, your boss costume for a while, and that's a, separate from the 501st. Why do you like dressing up as Star Wars characters? I like dressing up as Star Wars characters because it gives me a sense of a different world outside our own world. And kind of, it turns you to a different person that you could pretend to be for that day or even for that weekend depending on how many troops we get we go into and just seeing the smiles from the kids even though they don't know you (laughs) tear (laughs) um it's it's really enjoying it's really joyful whenever you see the kids smile high-fiving them and everything so and and you're like me where we you you whenever you do a troop you know you're going to sweat a lot so you have to take that into account Oh, definitely, especially when I don't have any ventilation in there, no air, no fans, but I go hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. That's very cool. I'm very jealous. I want to start doing this. <laughs> well, here's a question for you guys. If you guys can, don't think about money, don't think about skill, don't think about anything. If you guys could do any Star Wars costume out there, any character, anything, what would it be? Ahsoka. So, which version of Ahsoka? I mean, I think like Rebels Ahsoka, because I'm a woman, and <laughs> I'd like to be a woman in costume. Yeah. Um, I also, I that lightsaber I was talking about from forever ago is actually a white lightsaber. I don't know why they were selling a white lightsaber back then, because no one they had, had white lightsabers in Legends. I think. Oh yeah. 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 So I feel like I've always been ready to be Ahsoka. So, <laughs> been training your costume. whole life. Yeah, that that one takes a lot of commitment, though. Talking about Halloween, I did see a girl who just kind of did a wig that kind of implied Ahsoka. It was kind of a, you know. So I feel like if I, like you said, I could start with smaller pieces, the the jewelry, the the accessories, and then the clothes, and then work my way up to doing that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's also kind of a weird subset, which I don't know what the Star Wars version of it is, but there's something called Disney bounding, where you dress up as a Disney character, but using everyday clothes. Oh. If, you, if you look online, look up Disney bounding, and uh, you see it a lot at Disneyland, too, where people will be dressed as 
Chip and Dale, but they'll only have, you know, like a like Chip and Dale from Rescue Rangers where one will have like a, a leather jacket and the one will have a floral shirt and it's supposed to represent the character. Oh. But in a much more casual That's way. That's clever. I like it. So I've seen people do that with Star Wars too, where they'll go out and they'll maybe wear a little Imperial hat and a suit with maybe a name tag. And that's kind of like their casual cosplay too. Mm-hmm. So you can enjoy your fandom that way too. If you don't want to put a lot of money or you want to just kind of have a little bit of that fandom sprinkled into your daily life, you can do that as an option. Josh, what would your cosplay be? So, well, I already talked about my Jedi costume, which is going to be a little expensive mainly the lightsaber i think is probably gonna be the most expensive thing because the one that i want which is a which is canon by the way because it appears in the (laughs) season finale of the rebels episode i want the kylo ren cross guard lightsaber but i want it to be green instead Mm -hmm. oh nice uh but and that's a and uh i think one of like saber forge or somebody makes that one but it's pretty expensive it's like 250 bucks so that would probably be the most expensive thing. But if I had, if money was no object, definitely would get some clone armor. Mm. Um, which but, which clone? Which clone? I just well, I would get base basic clone armor, and then I would mod it uh, uh, to look sort of like Vietnam ish. Ooh. and stuff so and i've talked to you alex about this born um, to yeah. kill over it i like it yeah so yeah so i went to write like die clankers and stuff like on the <laughs> helmet and and have like some you know some of the like ne- the rope netting and like i think it would be cool i've seen some really good clone troopers like the yeah. phase two where uh they have you know the spray paint marks on them um you know designating which group they're in but they're all battle damage on the side it's all their kills and, you know, they have these giant, giant, uh, like, machine gun things and just over their shoulder. Like, they look really, like, worn down and battle damaged, and that kind of gives a little more authenticity to, compared to, like, a really clean Stormtrooper. I will, sure. I will say, I also, just watching Rebels, I was just noticing, I love Sabine's armor, and I would love to get that. It's just yeah. so cool and unique, and the little, what's the little animal on her shoulder? The little monkey owl? The, the owl? Um... That has a tail. A, I think it's just an owl, but yeah, it's some kind of Star it's Wars critter. owl. <laughs> <laughs> Space owl. Yeah. Space owl. Exactly. I will also complain real quick to Disney. We give them lots and lots of love, but I'm going to say it's in their official rules that yeah. costumes may not be worn by guests 14 years or older. Yeah, I think I, I, I know where part of that might have come from. Um, I should not say it here on the podcast so unfortunately you guys won't be able to hear who are listening but i will tell you guys off the air i would assume just largely whatever what happened there's a issue of well you don't want kids to be confused between the official characters and then people just walking around i have a feeling yeah. i know <laughs> i might have told you the story but uh, you I, might I have but I, I don't i don't i don't recall but yeah, i think i know the people that caused that issue <laughs> yeah um but yeah i uh, clone clone armor all that stuff that'd be really cool and 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 uh oh and speaking of the sabine thing at celebration we saw a girl like maybe 12 13 year old who had the full armor and everything that's awesome she looked amazing um yeah i think uh do we have anything else to add i'll just say on the on the topic of halloween since this is kind of the impetus for it. It has been so much fun over the past three years to see 
kids dress up in Star Wars outfits and then to see that get shared on social media and spread like wildfire like especially little girls in the Ray costumes it's just the greatest thing and uh (laughs) I'm very jealous of these kids because I you know I was the only kid I ever knew that dressed up as Star Wars for Halloween and uh I'm glad that it's making a comeback it's pretty awesome yeah, I, I always get excited. I mean, I, I get excited when I see a little girl dressed as Ray, but I get more excited when I see one dressed as Hera. Yeah. Because they have Daleku and they have all that stuff. It's like, oh, like Ray, Ray costume's a little easier to get, but when you see someone dressed as Hera and you can tell, you know, that this is a character that they really relate to. Or I saw, um, there's this little girl and she dresses up as BB-8 and she has this giant ball. And what she can do is she can collapse herself into the BB-8. <gasps> the, uh, the BB-8 head is on her head. So she collapses into it when she sits on the floor, and she looks like BB-8. And then she sticks her thumb out of a side hatch, like if it was the lighter thumb from, uh, from the scene from the the Force Awakens. Uh huh. That's awesome. And she just kind of sticks it out there and then brings it back in. And she just runs around the conventions. You know, she'll take pictures and she'll squat down again and do the thumb, and she sticks it out and comes back in. That is it's so just really, cute. I just love seeing kids having fun with Star Wars. Oh man. Well, this was a fun conversation. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I did not realize how long we've been talking. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Well, I guess we should go to the news. Let's, let's get going. All right. Let's do it. I have good news for you, my lord. I'm 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 serious. I I wasn't looking at the timer at all, and I just Neither now I. looked at it and I'm like, oh my goodness. No, it was good. I like no. I like that we hit on awesome. everything from like you know actual costume design to to Halloween. I think that's really good. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good mix of it all. Yeah. Okay. For the news, we got a couple news stories. Um, nothing. I don't think anything's super insane. Uh, this is probably maybe the lightest week we've had in the last month, which is which isn't saying a lot, but uh, well, maybe it is saying a lot because we've had a lot. There's been a lot of news lately. Um, but anyway, we'll get in. We'll get into some stuff. This first one that I have open is Disney lays. This is from the Wall Street Journal, by the way. This is like one of the one times we don't have just Star Wars <laughs> News Network <laughs> all the time. Uh, Disney lays down the law for theaters on Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Um, so I'm just gonna read a little bit. It says the box office domination of the Star Wars franchise has given Walt Disney Corporation unprecedented power over the nation's movie theaters. Before exhibitors can begin screening Star Wars: The Last Jedi this December. They must first commit to a set of top-secret terms that numerous theater owners say are the most onerous they have ever seen. (laughs) Uh, Disney will receive about 65% of ticket revenue from the film, a new high for Hollywood Studios. And Disney is also requiring theaters to show the movie on their largest uh, auditorium screen. For at least four weeks. And I think for at least four weeks, um, which isn't... I don't know that this is that crazy to me, honestly. I think it would have happened either way. 
Yeah, and 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 also everything gets out of the way of Star well, Wars. Well, I think there's anyway. a couple things that are interesting about it. I think yeah. the first, the fact that they're making these demands at all, um, because there is, you know, if they if the theaters don't follow these demands, there's an additional penalty of taking more of a cut um, from the ticket revenue, and people need to. So these these contracts are done pretty much on a case-by-case basis. Um, Sometimes they're blocks of films, a season of films, certain studios have certain um, demands, but um, 65 is a very high number. Usually what happens is as it goes along, um, it's the, usually big movies can claim about 50% of income at the beginning. and in the first in that stands for the first week or two of the film's run, um, and then that 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 split comes down and down um, and and favors the the uh, um, sorry yes favors the theater. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so okay. it's interesting though because if you think about it in terms of like a large theater in a large city, that shouldn't be much of a demand at all. Um, but when you're talking about theaters that service a small area you know four weeks is a long time most people will have seen the film who want to see the film by the end of that fourth week and you're denying them from having from switching out their revenues so it seems like a very intense thing to demand across the board but at this point with the trends of the way things are going with movie theaters um not they're not pulling in as much money disney consistently having some of the biggest box office hits year after year they're kind of in a position to set the terms mm-hmm. i'm curious to see if it, we'll see at some point we start seeing production companies owning yep. their own theaters the way that disney owns yep, i think so because it would be a that would mean a hundred percent revenue they wouldn't have to worry about sharing it and i mean if you've never been to hollywood the el capitan theater right there is the only movie theater owned by disney and they show all the star wars movies all the marvel movies all the disney movies there and for them they don't have to worry about you know competing with anybody else because they have it's, it's their own movie you know they don't have to worry about showing trailers for other movies everything is just so what, i mean this is kind of off topic but I'm, i don't know if you've heard about movie pass um that's been through netflix so there's yeah. there's going to be huge shifts in the way this works to begin with but i think you know giants like disney and netflix mm-hmm. are going to be dictating the way these things operate from here on out yeah and, and theaters are kind of dying anyway i I don't think they're ever going to go away i think that people will want to see movies like star wars on giant screens because i want to see them like you know in their bombastic nature like they're kind of meant to be seen i think Uh um because they're you know they're larger than life and they deserve loud plus the community aspect of it all i mean images we we all still go to concerts and even though we could listen to the music much clearer and with better fidelity at home you know it's the idea of going together and sharing an experience yeah there's that energy that you don't get anywhere else exactly you know it's one thing to listen to newfound glory (laughs) in your car it's another thing to go see them for like the seventh time with all your friends that you've wow. seen them every single time with and, and hit up the mic. Don't even start. <laughs> Me and my friends go see Newfound Glory like probably once a What's year. What's your and favorite so Newfound Glory song? Um, you know, I don't know. Wow. I, I probably. You should I have one. probably couldn't say. I probably should, <laughs> but. He loves them all. I, I don't love them all, but the, most of them are good. <laughs> I. To be honest, I don't think I don't think I love any band like a hundred percent of any band or artist's stuff. 
That's fair. If that makes sense. Except for yeah. John Williams. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Uh. I'm sure John Williams did something where he was just, he like stumbled in. in. He had a he had a bad he night. <laughs> yeah. yeah he's like, he, he, he just get some ET and some Star Wars and a hit tra- to Potter. He transmuted the sheet music through a phone. <laughs> this is good enough. He literally phoned it in. Um. He's like, I'm John Williams. No one's going to say anything. <laughs> They're like, uh, I guess. All right. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, anyway, this isn't a newfound glory podcast. Next. <laughs> next. Next. Oh, yeah, there, there's yeah. that energy. There, it's, yeah. it's always fun. Exactly. The energy is what's fun. Yeah. Um, so this next piece of news, and actually um, the, the figures have been found with their cards and everything. So... The, we all remember Disney Infinity. I remember Disney Infinity. I liked Disney Infinity a lot. I have a lot of the Star Wars figures from Disney Infinity. They no longer make it. However, um, Alex, you sent me this piece from Jedi News where they seem to have discovered the Disney store is going to start selling new um, toy... They're called Toy Box figures? Yeah, so they're... So starting, I believe, November 3rd, these kind of got... I think these popped up on... Uh, a lot of the Star Wars Collector.com has the card images. Star Wars Collector has them. Yakface.com, Jedi Temple Archives. It kind of popped out that all of a sudden these new figures were coming out, and they're basically. Uh, so, Disney Infinity, when that got canceled out, it seems like they had already created the sculpts for some of the characters. So, what they decided was to add articulation and release them as toys. So, the first three uh, on sale on November 3rd are Kylo Ren, Rey, and a First Order Stormtrooper. And then along with those, we're also going to get some characters from Marvel and Pixar too. Uh, it, it's interesting because they're they're priced around $13 each. So about the same so price as a... Their, yeah. Yeah, about the same price. But then if you start looking at the you know the features and the articulation of these versus a standard uh, you know a Hasbro figure, you start to wonder which one is the better value. So at, right now a lot of collectors are trying to figure out, okay, is this something that we want to buy into is this something that's just you know kind of a fling or will they continue developing seems more like, figures seems like an style? experiment to me it kind of is i mean the looking at the packages the the kylo ren and the ray look really good the first or stormtrooper looks a little a little odd but again I'm, I'm curious to see how well these do because they kind of popped up they out did. of nowhere they uh they did they they look they do look exactly like the infinity figures though like, yeah, they do it. Even the packaging, it looks like they just kind of tweak the backer card, honestly. Yeah, um, which which is interesting to me. Um, and yeah, I wonder if yeah they had the 3D models and molds of these characters all sitting around, and they were like, you know, we could try and just reuse these assets and re-engineer them to be articulated figures, and then release them that way. So. We'll you guys gonna see. buy him? It's, it seems cool. Mm. Uh, I was told by my wife <laughs> not to start a new collection, but uh, I really want to get the uh, the stormtrooper. I uh, <laughs> probably not. Oh, if they keep making more, um, then sure. Like it, it depends. Like who are who? What character are they gonna make? You know. And where am I going to put them <laughs> is the other question. Because yeah. even my desk at work is running out of room for anything. Like, I 
I collect little Blizzard, uh, Blizzard games figurines, and I'm running out of room for those. I have Amiibo over here. I have all my Disney Infinity Star Wars figures over here and my Star Wars games and Destiny Mega Blocks. Like, we're running out <laughs> of space. So... That's why we ha cars have dashboards. Cars do have dashboards, and you know what's on my dashboard? Nothing. There you go. So, there you go. <laughs> Toy box figures, here I come. <laughs> okay. Um, and we'll, we'll keep on the toy train here for now. Uh, this next news story is actually from Star Wars News Network, and it's Walmart. They've revealed four new exclusive Funko Star Wars sets. So, these aren't individual figures. They're actual uh, sort of diorama sets basically um mm -hmm. and they revealed four that i guess will will be exclusively at walmart and they are all based on episode four so uh the first one here is the it's called the death star duel and it's like a funko obi-wan and a funko darth vader fighting on the death star the second one is called cantina yeah, face-off which awesome. is han with his foot on the on the thing and the and the gun under the table and greedo on the other side third one is called trash compactor escape and it's luke and and i like that leia looks like super angry and she's lifting up the the thing yeah <laughs> kind of clueless and, and the luke, little monsters right behind yeah, he's like, Who? yeah yeah um and then the fourth one is called escape pod landing and it's uh r2 and c3po and the little escape pod in the desert and these all they look do. really cool i think they're really awesome I like how they're part of a diorama, like they're actually something as opposed to just... Yeah, exactly. And um, I have some Funko Pops. Like, I have mainly... I have a... I actually have one of the most expensive Funko Pops in in, in all of Ooh. Funko nope. Popdom. Um, because my favorite superhero is Shazam. And my and my best friend buys me Shazam stuff. So I have, like, Shazam figures, like, Comic-Con exclusive figures. I have, like, a big hard book and stuff that he's bought me and he bought me when it was only like 12 bucks and it just come out and no one gave a crap he bought me the uh shazam pop figure and i've kept it like you know all this time and then he noticed at conventions that it was getting way more expensive and it's like Whoa. 250 bucks now for that figure Ouch. and I, I still have it obviously because shazam's awesome and uh but yeah I don't really buy these that much because they just take up tons of space and stuff, but these are really cool. I kind of yeah, like them. Yeah, I have a, a few Star Wars pops. I have a, a Yoda. I have a Wicket. I have Princess Leia, and I have a, a Loot Crate exclusive, which was, I don't know if it was an exclusive or just they gave it to us. It was um, uh, Han from Force Awakens in his blue coat when they're on Starkiller Base. Um but uh, mm. these are really cool. I really like the Cantina face-off. I might have to get that. Yeah. That one is pretty sweet. Yeah, I think Funko is the one thing I do not have in my collection. Because I know if we start... Yeah, we and stop. and I don't know if you've... Alex, I don't know if you've seen Alan's room back at his parents. It is filled oh, to I've, the brim with Funko Pop. Actually, his Funko yeah. Pops broke this shelf in his room oh, that boy. he had... So he had <laughs> I'm hoping he, uh, he had this shelf that was up near the ceiling um, for ye like pretty much the entire time he lived in that room and he he was putting all his funkos up there and he has like hundreds. And so 
they were all up there and I think he was like visiting his parents or something and he was staying in his room and and he heard I think in the middle of the night it was like and he was like what the hell and then the whole thing just collapsed like in the middle of the night and so he had to replace it and stuff but he still has like he he because he has a small apartment he stores like all his Funkos and action figures and stuff like I'm hoping he has the the collector cases um he no but he has I got him when I got him the or when I got Mark Hamill to sign the old Luke one for him as a as his wedding yeah. gift I uh I bought him that acrylic case for it so nice. uh, he has that basically real quick on these uh new Walmart sets the Star Wars show on YouTube actually did an interview with the Funko guys uh on today's episode so if you want a little more information about why these, you know, how these were designed, go and watch the Star Wars show on YouTube. Good show. Emmy nominated, really? even. Yeah. <laughs> Emmy yeah. nominated, oh, but no. not an Emmy winner. Yet. Yeah. And these Yet. are all going to, uh, I guess they're all coming out in early November, which is like now, because it's November 1st when we're recording this, and they're 25 bucks each, which isn't that bad, yeah. actually. No. No, that's like the price of two Funkos, which each of these each. are. So, yeah, and it comes with yeah. the, you know a set. Yeah. It's not just you get the, the floor and all that good stuff. To the floor, that's oh, worth right. four dollars. The floor, yeah, <laughs> the floor and the ground. <laughs> you get a table in the cantina one. They say Star go. Wars on them. <laughs> all right. Uh, two new Star Wars Forces of Destiny episodes released. The second half-hour-long episode of the short series Star Wars Forces of Destiny aired two days ago, and already two of the four new episodes have been posted on YouTube. Um, the new episodes are titled Accidental Allies and An Imperial Feast and feature characters like Jyn Erso, Sabine, Princess Leia, Han Solo, Hera, and more. <laughs> I still need to watch the other half-hour one where Maz Kanata's, like, making the tea yeah. and stuff. Yeah. But I haven't either. I haven't caught up yet. I need to. I, I watched maybe the first four or five episodes, and now they're at, like, episode 30 or something. And I'm like, oh, well, God. Well, that sounds like a really good afternoon it's... to just binge all those. They're fun. Yeah. yeah. They're fun, but I, I, I'm I, not the biggest fan of the art style. It's not for you. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's not for me. Yeah. The stories I don't mind. Like I'm enjoying the the little stories. I mean, yeah, there's they're two mi- they're what, like two and a half minute little yeah. things. You can't get too deep. I just wish that the art style was a little not necessarily cleaner, but some of the characters don't look like the characters. Like Chewbacca looks weird. Nobody can look weirder than Anakin did. Yeah, he was very, <laughs> very like... pretty. Like he was super like his his <laughs> you know, eyebrows were on fleek. His I mean, lips were like, huge. Crisp. Right. Yeah, I mean, I get it, stylized, but you know, you gotta give. You gotta Whoever make some of the threw him a had rougher. a serious crush. <laughs> oh yeah, they had a fan, <laughs> of, you know, a fan girl or fan, fan boy something. <laughs> some someone's fandom got the best of their of their. Uh, fan. All right. <laughs> or their stylist or whatever's used so, nowadays. Yeah, pretty much. Back go. in my day, animation well, was a pencil. Most of, I so. think most of that stuff's done on, like, giant Wacom tablets now. So, yeah, stylus. Uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi official international trailer number one came out, and we're not going to really get too deep into that because I know Becky hasn't even watched the other 
English trailer. So now I've seen um. I've seen probably between these two trailers. <laughs> Today was the worst because I was doing research for this episode just a couple minutes ago and it was everywhere. So I've seen yeah. like maybe 10 different stills from the two trailers, uh-huh. which I still think is pretty good considering. Yeah. But it looks awesome from the three stills I saw of this one that <laughs> really great. Yeah. Yeah, so so the international trailer came out two days ago um and it was i think the chinese it was, it was like for the asian markets and it has a couple of extra shots it's mostly the same as the trailer we already got but there's a couple extra shots that don't really add much but you know it's like oh new stuff but the tr- the 45 second trailer they released today has like mostly new shots in it and my god there's a, yeah, there's an shot opening shot where you're like, oh, today. God. It was so good. Um. Yeah, I, <laughs> I squealed a little bit, and they stopped, and they told Megan, do you want to watch this? She's like, I don't know. Watch it with me. Yeah. Like, it's, um, it's exciting. So if you want to, you know, get into that, you can go uh, you can go watch that um, on – I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume it's easy to find on, like, StarWars.com. Literally anywhere. Or something. Yeah. Yeah, you t- – it's on Twitter. YouTube, if you Facebook just scroll fast enough right on Twitter, too. it'll be a flipbook. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. You'll say this the same shot yeah. like a million um, times. And our last piece of news, which is kind of a an opinion piece, but more 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 so a discussion that we'll have. Not a not a long discussion, but a discussion nonetheless. Um, there was a slash film article that you had found Becky and I kind of skimmed through and it, it was, it kind of piqued my interest and it was how much of solo a star Wars story was reshot. And uh, I'll read a little bit of it here. So now that solo a star Wars story is in post-production, a lot of questions are starting to emerge as to just how much of Phil Lord and Chris Miller's original film was reshot by Ron Howard new unsubstantial or uns- unsubstantiated reports have come out claiming that at least 80% of the spin-off film was reshot for possibly twice the budget. Could that be true? Let's jump into hyperspace and take okay god. Slash film please. <laughs> All right. Just right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, uh the latest episode of Star Wars Newsnet's can't escape them. The Resistance broadcast claims that their inside sources are saying that Ron <laughs> Howard's re- reshot nearly all quote unquote of of solo for possibly twice the budget the inside report claims that an estimated 80 percent or more of the spinoff was reshot by howard and then yeah and then they say like they can't vouch for them but they've had reliable scoops in the past i mean they did correctly say the trailer was coming out when it came out and stuff like that so i i trust star wars Newsnet. but then there's a timeline here and this is where it kind of convinced me because I was like, I really doubt it. And then, and then I read the timeline. I'm like, you know, maybe. <laughs> uh, filming began in, on the Han Solo spinoff film in, on January 30th, 2017. On June 20th, 2017, citing creative differences, Lucasfilm and Lord and Miller jointly announced their decision to part ways. Although later it was revealed by insiders that Lucasfilm essentially let the directors go as their visions were not aligned. And then we had learned that the production had taken a brief hiatus before this decision was announced. So it seems that Lord and Miller shot for just over four months. 
When Lord and Miller exited the project, it was announced that Ron Howard was hired to work on the remaining three and a half weeks of scheduled principal photography, as well as, an, as, well as a now scheduled five weeks of reshoots. Howard posted a photo on his first day of, of on the set, I'm having trouble reading, which was June 29th of 2017. He then announced production wrap on October 18th, 2017, which was on our last episode. So Howard was filming for almost four months, almost the exact length that Lord and Miller were on the film. So, And I like that next p- bit, just for context, that four months is about the same time it took to film the entirety of Thor Ragnarok. So, yeah. um, so they spent a good two-thirds of a year filming this movie. Basically. Yeah, I mean, and if you look at just the, the schedules, you know, it would it would make sense you know if you if they if you took that long that they were doing more than just finishing up what was already there um Mm -hmm. and you know they go on to talk about how there was you know a character swap which would indicate that there would be big reshoots needed but um but wasn't the character swap due to scheduling yes yeah but i mean that still means story changes and things you'd have to well, to do, well, does it though? Because aren't they just swapping the actor? Yeah, but if they shot any scenes with them, they would have to reshoot all those scenes. Well, sure, but that doesn't mean it changes the story necessarily. Well, apparently, it went from a CG alien to a human. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Um, Practical effects. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, obviously, these are just rumors and conjecture based on on facts. But um, I wouldn't be surprised. I think. Uh, it would probably be a lot easier for someone stepping in since there was such, it seems, large problems with tone um, for him to just kind of take it over. But as some people have uh, posited online, it's kind of awesome to hear that if they were willing to spend so much money, that means that they are putting an emphasis on quality and they have the understanding that quality equals profit over time. So I like that. And and an, another thing to people when they think reshoots, they think radical changes to everything that it was. I don't think like the, the you know Lawrence Kasdan and his son wrote the screenplay, and they're they've been attached to this the entire time. I don't think anything about the story has changed. Period. Mm. I think it's literally just tone and making it less comical, if that makes sense. Or they finally, I mean, because weren't there rumors, or at least worries, that the way that they were making the movie, they kind of ad-libbed a lot more than they were supposed to? Maybe this, these reshoots were to get it back on track to the story it was right. supposed to be. Yeah, just focus the scenes up a yeah. little bit more. Yeah, because yeah, ad-lib is better in comedy. Yeah, you can't really do that in a Star Wars. I mean, you can do it a little bit here and there, you know. I love you, I know. But even that was kind of prepared. It didn't just happen. Yeah. Well, it, it happened out of frustration, and then they're like, yeah. yeah, that works, you know. But it's not like it was a full crazy scene. You know, Boba Fett and Darth Vader talking to each other, we're like, you know, let's keep Han Solo alive. Nah, man, or something real dumb. Like, <laughs> there was there's a purpose behind the way that they create these characters to talk. I don't know. I don't know how Boba Fett would talk. Talk I mean, like John Hamm, right? Talk yeah. like John Hamm. There you go. <sighs> Although I will yeah. say, I know. I still have a lot of uh, high hopes for this movie, even though the internet seems to just don't listen to the not internet. want it at all for some reason i it's, mean 
it's gonna happen. I saw some guy on the internet today claim that Dark Disciple was the worst canon book, and I'm like, bro, (laughs) bro, throw my hand out here. Like, no, sorry. The internet is full of people who have nothing better to do but complain, just talk and complain. Like I was watching the the last, um, the the most recent Star Wars show on YouTube, and all the comments were people complaining about what this thing has. Just every any little thing. My favorite is that there's still people lobbying for them to bring back the Clone Wars. Like I Whoa. don't think that's happening, guys. Come on, it's been gone. Yeah, I, already, I saw. It's done, guys. I saw a uh, a thread on, um, on the subreddit that was somebody saying that they wanted more prequel era stuff, which is stuff people have been asking for, and I I actually would like more prequel era oh, stuff. Oh, I would too. Me too. Yeah, but uh, they were saying like I would like a, a a movie or like a show, and someone was like, you know, you already got, you got two movies and a six season TV show about it. You're they're probably not gonna do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's a good point, you know. And and I I would mainly like novels and things to be honest. Although it would be kind of cool if we were, if we could get a, a Star Wars movie that took place, you know before the events of episode one and in the background of whatever story is being told you slowly see palpatine rise to power like you get you know the, you know his first time in the senate mm-hmm. and slowly get to the point to where he becomes a senator for naboo and that's kind of where the, the series ends and then that's where you know episode one would kind of move on from there i like that that'd be fun yeah i think we, there's a lot more stories to be told in that era i don't think it necessarily has to happen around episode one i think we can go farther back yeah but i also i also think you can make star wars films that have maybe nothing to do with you know the connecting tissue of of oh like yeah those eras. like i would like to see a like it'd be cool to see a smuggler based movie after the you know destruction of the death star or something mm-hmm. like how does that affect that industry you know stuff like that yeah that's I, th- I think that we don't necessarily need that kind of stuff but it's uh, i understand that they want to kind of have the pulpy serialized thing be the movies and I'm, I'm okay with that on some level and then having the the tv shows and the novels and the comics and all that kind of delve like way deeper but yeah well we'll see what we get in the next few years we know that new stuff's coming on coming up but uh what will it be we don't know we don't um but that that's gonna wrap it up for all the news shall we go on to creature of the week yay yeah yeah they were no wonder i thought they smelled bad on the outside (laughs) our creature of the week is the tauntaun tauntauns were a species of (laughs) non-sentient thumbs up (laughs) I love how Wikipedia every time you gotta know they 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 always specify, which is really funny. Uh, Species of non-sentient lizards native to the snowy planet of Hoth. Lizards. Yeah, weird, right? They're lizards. Right on. I always thought of them as like camel dogs or something, but yeah, (laughs) or like a kangaroo. Yeah. No, no, they are T-Rex-like. They got little arms and... They got that, that, that weird sound they make, too. Yeah. It's very... Uh, 
It's like a pissed off donkey or something. <laughs> uh, they were used by members of the Rebel Alliance after they domesticated some of them when they built their new headquarters on Hoth. So, and then we also uh, get to see the insides <laughs> of one. Um, so, yeah. uh, well, I just reading on, it's really interesting. I didn't know they were lizards. They have fur, but they have scaly skin underneath their fur. Um, that's very strange. I did so they really are like dinosaurs. But then that makes me think, let's see, they can climb icy surfaces. They have long claws. They travel they in packs. Earth biology. Remember, they're in Hoth. Yes, that's true. That's true. Well, this um, is one of the things that I've talked to a lot of friends about, and I've never actually looked it up, as I was saying before the episode. I'm sure there's, like, a answer to this. But does Han shove Luke into the cut-open Tauntaun or just yeah. place him by the cut-open Tauntaun? I assume he shoves him inside. in there. Like They, they both do. So, but that would require pulling out all the guts and stuff. It's not like there's a lot of, like, free room inside the carcass of a living thing. No, but if you're trying to keep a guy who's dying warm, you're going to want to shove him as far inside as you can. <laughs> it sounds gross. It sounds weird. But, like, you know. Can, we get, can, we, get the, uh, can we get the man versus wild of the Star Wars universe? <laughs> That'd be amazing. You're going to want to shove yourself as deep as possible into this stuff. <laughs> if you hit the tail, keep on going. Well, it was, <laughs> it was only temporary until he built the little hut. Uh, I don't think he shoves him inside of it. Why? Well, I think he what, puts what, him what pretty be, deep. But what, what purpose would he be serving if he just shoved him next to it? Because, like, I've even heard of... of uh, hunters talking about how when you kill an animal and like reach inside them about how hot it is in there like yeah but that would be enough like yeah just get him i mean he could maybe stick his you know but like the guts will be pouring out so that'll be all warm well remember the thing about hoth was it was the wind chill that was the dangerous part it dips to a certain degree you need to make sure you keep him as warm as possible and if he's sick it's like standing next to a heater it's like if you're really trying to Okay, for me, if you're really analogy. trying to get warm, <laughs> you have to get in the heater. This is, this is a weird analogy. But at work, when we use forklifts, it sounds real weird. The backs of the forklifts give off a lot of heat. I can either stand next to the forklift, or I can hug the forklift and stay warm. Kind of the same thing. I, f- I know. You're going to want to stick Luke way inside. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you're gonna you. You're going to want to shove him. I'm with you. You want to get in there, like, as <laughs> as deep as possible. Well, if you if you look back at the Hasbro toy, or I'm sorry, the Mattel toy back when they first came out, they count with a tauntaun that you can stick Luke inside of. Don't they have a sleeping bag that's a tauntaun corpse? And they have a sleeping <laughs> bag, also? too. Yeah, from uh, Think Geek. Yeah. I'd like to read the novelization to see exactly what is said about the... Oh, I, I thought you pulled it up. I was like, no way. <laughs> oh, wait. No, I have. Hold. Oh, no, this is the script. Oh, but maybe that'll say. Yeah. Or remember, because uh, I was going to say, the, the books, you know, they're, or sorry, the, the movies, you know are the highest point but if they don't show it in the movies i guess the book would be the only alternative right yes the 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 book would well they did didn't they make comic versions of yeah but the comics them? of those don't aren't, aren't considered part of the canon just because i don't think the novels really. are really either i think i think they're if it, the novels are but if the the movies trump anything that the novels say so if there's any kind of discrepancy in the book the movie, you know, it makes the movie's a canon part. But any like anything that the books 
add on to a scene, like the scene with uh, Kylo Ren and his dad. That whole scene, the books add to that, so mm. that part is considered canon. All right, I have the answer. Okay. Han ignites Luke's saber and cuts the beast from head to toe. This is the official script. He quickly tosses it, its seeming innards into the snow and then lifts Luke, Luke's inert form and stuffs him inside the carcass. Yeah. Oh, he hit the tail. He kept on going. <laughs> I thought, it, so for a second, I thought we were both going to be wrong because I thought you, you were going to say he, he takes all the, all the stuff out and then just puts him on top of it. <laughs> like, Rubs it all over his wrong. body. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Can you imagine all oh, the smell the in that like, in that speeder right? afterwards? Well, and the fact too that like Han is building this, you know, he's gonna build a like a little tent. So he shoves Luke inside of a stinky animal, and he pulls Luke out of the stinky animal and has to sit in the tent with this stench. Oh, well, I mean, we also haven't expressed any sadness for the fact that this Tauntaun sacrificed his life for this this moment. I think I think the ghost of Obi Wan Kenobi choked out this Tauntaun. No, he was like, <laughs> I think that's what happened. I know what I must do. <laughs> you must give your life and, and your innards. The Force. This <laughs> 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 got dark, but uh, yeah, no. If that that it's the little okay. That's another episode that we're gonna do. The unsung just heroes about of Star Wars. <laughs> the unsung heroes. So the so the Tauntaun, the R five unit. Yeah, you know every, any little thing that caused something. But is never given credit. Hmm. There you go. Yeah, um, that's a good idea. I like that. Actually, Jar Jar Binks would be the headliner. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, he saves the entire situation by. Well, what it actually does he do anything that matters? Who Jar Jar? Yeah, Jar Jar. Oh, he yeah, he's the yeah, one. Yeah, he stumbles through Palpatine the Battle of the Naboo whole... and conquers <laughs> the battlefield. Yeah, but but like doesn't really because at the end they all end up sur- like with their hands up and then it's no because Anakin Jar Jar takes out the sh- Jar- command ship. Jar Jar is the one that uh, suggests that full powers be given to Palpatine. Right, of course, right. Though I I the think dummy. they could have found a different center to do that. But anyway, we're getting way off topic. Um. Everyone should go look at the original uh, sketch art for the Tauntaun because it's like a big rat and it looks really mm-hmm. gross. <laughs> Are you looking at, like, have you seen the concept art of the Tauntaun being eaten by the Wampa? No. This, uh, I'm going to see if I can find the picture real quick. Uh, their eyes are haunting. Give me a second. All right. Well, while you do that, uh, we're going to wrap up the show because, man, this has been a... This episode's been real packed, quick. but man, has it been good. Look at this picture real quick. I want to hear your reaction. <laughs> All right. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, I've seen this picture. <laughs> That's right? so sad. I love that. They're I love, both looking at I love this. I love this because, yeah, because it's like. Confront oh, nature. This is life. Oh, man. This, this is, is me such now. a We'll post this. This is such it's, a great picture. It's sad. This is our Christmas picture right here for our holiday episode. Merry Christmas, everyone. Just with zooming in on those eyes. Go to our Twitter and Facebook right now and look oh, at the picture because it's ridiculous. Dude. That's so oh, funny. <clears throat> Though technically on, on the Wikipedia, it says that Tonkons can outrun Wampas and that they can use their horns for self-defense. So Yeah, so maybe this Tauntaun... Well, he was <laughs> wanted to be found. I don't know. Well, he's kind of he looks he looks at peace. Mm. He he looks he looks like he's in mid eye roll. 
Uh, It's such a weird picture. I'm sorry. Let's end this episode. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Long Time Ago Radio. If you'd like to be a part of the show, you can email us. uh, Well, not for long, but you can email (laughs) us at podcast at canontimeline.com. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so by looking up The Jawa Josh. Everyone else, where can they find you? I am at Rebecca June Lane, and our official Twitter is at LTA underscore radio. You can find me on Instagram at Dapper underscore Fit, and take a look at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash radio. Uh, we're going to be posting up some of these pictures we've been talking about in this episode, <laughs> yeah. especially this Wampa concept art, because it will haunt your dreams. Oh, that's so funny, man. Uh, we we will definitely do that. And, and the... And, by the way, the show's not going anywhere. When, what, I, what I meant by what I just said for not for long is because uh, we're in the middle of a website revamp, which will inevitably change the URL of the website, which will no longer be canontimeline.com slash podcast because I'm abandoning that whole thing. Uh, we will very soon, probably in the next week, next few days actually, be moving over to astarwarspodcast.com with the brand new website, which is almost sort of done i think i have most of the back end stuff done for it but then we'll do that and then at some point which we'll announce on the show we are going to be migrating rss feeds which means that if you're on i uh, itunes you don't have to worry about anything it will update automatically um if you come to the website to you know get the episode or you are uh, getting it through you know facebook links or something you'll be fine uh it's only really people who are using um, services like maybe Podcast Addict or Podbean or something else where they're manually plugging in RSS feed URLs, uh, you guys will not know. Like you guys will not know. It will seem like there are no more ep- like no more episodes are coming out. Uh, and we will. I will keep hammering on this while we move up to the RSS feed transition. And I will warn everyone and tell everyone in the episode. Like, this is it. The next episode will be on the new feed, so please update it. And we'll obviously post about it on Twitter and Facebook and stuff. So um, you have time. You'll be good. But again, if you're listening to this on iTunes, which the majority of our audience does, you'll be totally fine. You won't even notice. You'll be like, ah, more episodes. You'll be cool. Anyway, that's going to do it. May the force be with you. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.